0: Today's scripture reading comes from first Peter chapter five verses five and six. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter eighteen. God opposes the proud. But He shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up. (laughs) If you make it your business to humble yourselves before God, did you hear what He promises? He will exalt you. You make it your business to get low in the world, and God will make it His business to lift you up. Now, if God can be trusted, and I think He can, what a promise. And I I just really want you to get at the beginning of this message today that you really don't want the maker of tsunamis, the maker of tornadoes and hurricanes and lightning to oppose you. But you do want... The manufacturer of sunrises exalting you. You do want the inventor of DNA and thermodynamics exalting you. You want the designer of gravity lifting you up. You want that. So if I mess this up this morning, (laughs) somehow or another, you don't walk out of here with that point. That's what God wants to say to you. I will oppose the proud in this world. Mark it down. I will give favor to those who are humble. I'll see to it that if you humble yourselves... In my sight, I personally will do the lifting. I'm getting ahead of myself. If you're a first-time guest, we're launching the third lesson in our series, The Biggest Loser. We're taking a look at some of the biggest losers in Scripture and hopefully taking away some life lessons every, every particular week. The one that we learned from the biggest loser of all, Jesus, was in the first week. That in order to gain much in the kingdom of God, you're going to be asked to lose much. Never pulls that punch. He says it right up front before he calls anybody to be a disciple. If you want to gain much in his kingdom, you're going to be asked to lose much. And he encourages us to go ahead and lose well. He did. He lost his status as sinless so that you could become sin free. He lost his status as holy, taking the sins of the world upon himself at the cross so that you could be established as completely holy and righteous. Things work a little bit differently in this kingdom than they do in this world. And Jesus makes it clear. In order for you to gain much, you're going to have to lose much. So lose well. In the second week, we looked at a loser in Scripture who doesn't have a name. She has a designation, though. Sinful woman. How's that for a moniker? Maybe some of you can relate. Because you're in a place in your life where your poor choices have made you known for what you've done more so than who you are. You've been branded. You've been tattooed. You've been tarnished because of your marital status. You've been tarnished because of your purity. You've been tarnished because of your career choices. You've been tarnished because of your integrity choices. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but a failed past can be one lasting tattoo that's almost impossible to remove. So a party crasher in Luke 7. She'll tell you she can relate. And I hope you can also relate to what happens to this party crasher. When she takes Jesus up on his offer for a do-over. For a new life start. And she's given it at Simon's house. Remember? (laughs) Oh my. And what she receives touches her so deeply. She can barely control herself. She's forgiven. Jesus calls her friend. And he... He gets to see her appreciation. It's outlandish. It's extreme. It's extravagant. I mean, the, guy, the girl is at his feet crying all over him, wiping him off with her hair, and it's embarrassing. You remember what we took home from last week? Outlandish expressions of our gratefulness are a delight to God, not his disdain. So go ahead and express them well. Our third loser this week is also nameless. We meet him in Luke chapter 18 and if you could name a piece of scripture after a Garth Brooks song (laughs) I'd nominate this one I don't think I'll ever be able to read this passage again without hearing in the background Well, I got friends in low places And that's about all that song I can sing right now (laughs) I hear some of you heard it too (laughs) But the song And this text this morning draw an incredible contrast between those in their ivory towers and those in low places, those who think they deserve first class on the plane of life, and those who are just glad they have a ticket and coach. Both need an oasis to make it through to their next destination. But in Garth's song and in God's text, you know who gets it right? It's the losers. It's the losers in both contexts that Jesus is going to call friend. Let's unpack that, but first let's pray. Father, wow. What a great morning of praise. A great morning to be here with family. And we realize we're not the only ones who are excited about gathering in your name and in your presence. Um, we ask you along with us, would you please please be with Barnett Chapel, love Noah Diggs. What a great brother. Please pour through him the gift of preaching as I hope you will through me. And God, please, would you enable us this morning to be reminded of how much you want to lift us, but what that's going to mean that we must do. Thank you so very much for not just coming to get in this with us, but also for seeing that promise fulfilled in your son It gives us hope And that's what we need to leave here with today Many of us Please a little bit more hope than we walked in with So we ask us all humbly in Jesus name And everyone said Amen. January the 7th 2014 The news reported the tragic story Of the grandson of the founder of the Vail Ski Resort In Colorado Who was killed He died in an avalanche. Now, I found out this week death by avalanche is not as uncommon as it may seem. Almost 30 people a year on average die of avalanches only in America alone. Well, I kind of wondered, how would you survive something like that if you ever got caught in one? Not that I ever hoped to be, but I mean, if it happens, I'm sure none of them who died this year thought they would be in one. One of the common mistakes that people make when they're caught in an avalanche is that they lose their sense of direction. And a fatal mistake is to start digging in the wrong direction. They think they're digging up often to survive when actually they're digging down, just further intensifying their deadly predicament. Well, Popular Science Magazine gave an example of another gentleman... Who was found dead after an avalanche claimed his life? He dug 30 feet straight down away from where he was buried. He was only 20 feet from the surface. He was sure he was going up when actually he was going down. So, how do you know which way's up? Well, the article goes on to tell us. The recommendation is, is as the best you can, try to clear about a foot space in front of your face. And then, I know this is going to gross some of you later, spit. Spit. And if the spit stays, you're looking the wrong direction. Gravity's pulling it down. But if the spit comes back and hits you in the face, that's a good thing. All right? You're facing the right way. Start digging. Now, if you don't get anything else out of the lesson today, you know what to do in an avalanche. All right? (laughs) In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is about to speak to some people trapped under an avalanche. But they don't even know they're under an avalanche, interestingly. But they're under a mountain of something I promise you is going to absolutely destroy them. And if he doesn't help them stop and make a reality check and help them do a 180, they're going to die. You see, they actually think they're, they're climbing up when actually they're digging their own grave because what they're under is an avalanche of the most deadliest material known to mankind. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. It's the thin air of arrogance. It's that place where you're higher And you're better than almost all the people that you know. And I just want to warn you this morning, there is no air more dangerous that you could be breathing right now. And the truth is, you may be breathing more of it than you care to admit. I've had to admit it this week and it has been pretty painful. The truth is, friend, if you don't do a reality check this morning, you may not make it to next week. However, if you walked in here this morning and you're under anything but an avalanche of pride, you're in the right place just as well. If you feel more like a loser in the presence of a bunch of winners, then I want you to know that you came to the right place in the right chapter of the Bible. And I think, I think with all my heart, God has a message for you. That's going to make a difference. It's going to be different than most of the advice that you're going to get from people out there who are trying to convince you they know how to get you ahead in this world. Because if you think making a name for yourself is what it's all about, if you think that finally getting to the top and whatever it is that that you're you're in right now, sports, career, even marriage, if you think having the best... That that's it. Jesus would beg to differ. He redefines greatness. He redefines success in a way that's hard for most of us to hear. But I need to be faithful to the text and let you hear it this morning. Now it's going to come from some characters that Jesus is going to tell you. He makes up in his mind. It's a story that he creates in his imagination. But I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be able to put some faces to these characters that are as real as... The face that you brought to church this morning. The first character is a Pharisee. Remember our definition of a Pharisee last week? We were at Simon's house. He was a Pharisee. In this story that Jesus makes up to, to talk to a group of people, he, he says, well, there was this Pharisee. And a Pharisee is simply a religious leader who was meticulous. Obsessive, compulsive, meticulous when it came to keeping God's law. And if religion was a ladder." The Pharisees saw themselves as being at the top. Make no mistake about this. They knew they were at the top. Their attitude of themselves reflected about how they held their opinion of themselves. Just look at their noses. Very high in the air. If that looks a little bit weird, it's because, remember, the air's a little bit thin. When you're standing above everybody else The other person in the story down low Got your Pharisee up here You got your your tax collector down low When you hear the word tax collector Don't think IRS agent That's way too nice Think in terms of the corporate thief Bernie Madoff Tax collectors were shysters With government clearance They were despised by their own people The Jews And for a very very good reason We all hate to pay taxes some of you are still working on your tax return. God bless you. We haven't got ours filed yet either. We hate to pay taxes, most of us. But we hate to pay, even, ta- even, even worse, more taxes than we need to. And let me tell you what, if there was a tax collector in your community, you were going to pay more taxes than you needed to because that's how they made their living. And they had government clearance to do it through extortion, coercion. However, they could get out of you whatever they could get out of you. And the people hated them for it. When you're thinking spiritual ladder here, you've got the Pharisee up on top, and down below here, you've got the tax collector. Two rungs up, maybe a prostitute. Maybe a drug dealer selling to junior high kids. But at the very bottom of that was a tax collector. That's the extreme that Jesus is trying to paint this morning. Who is he talking to? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on everybody else. That's who he's telling this story to. You say, well, Jimmy, that's pretty generic. Who are these people who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on everybody else? Well, let me see if I can explain it this way. If you read this and you don't think it's talking about you, it's talking about you. If you read this and think, well, that's, that's somebody else you've already self-identified that he's probably talking about You to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on almost everybody else. He says in verse 10, now to the story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. This Pharisee, remember him? And the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, now that's, that's my emphasis, making sure the spotlight was on him so he's standing where everybody can see him. And he prayed. Here's what he prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. That's a prayer. (laughs) Are you thinking like I'm thinking? Is that bizarre or what? You don't think straight. When you're breathing the thin air of arrogance. You say bizarre things. You do bizarre things. <laughs> I just can't imagine. God. Thank you. Now now that's good because thanking God's a good thing, right? God Thank you. That I am better than everybody else especially Craig Seebeck thank you <laughs> is that bizarre or what that's what this guy's praying and I know what you're thinking well I, I would never pray that <laughs> yes you would I'm the guy who who's glad that he's not the guy who would pray that and aren't you I would never pray that. No, but you would say some things that are almost as close. Like, you're not going to talk to me like that. You're not going to talk to me like that. Now, you may not ever think that that's arrogant. But, friend, that is is full of the thin air of arrogance. Because what you're actually saying is, is, I am not going to be confronted by the likes of you. Because you're you, and I'm me, and I won't stand for this. Brother, listen, if you don't have anybody in your life who is welcome to give you criticism and honest evaluation of your actions and your attitude, it is not because you don't need it. It's because you won't allow it. I mean, you're you. And, and this is them. And, and, and they don't criticize. They don't critique. They don't give a, an evaluation of people like me. I'm not going to be the one who apologizes here. And we would never pray, oh, Lord, thank you, <laughs> that I am not like, <laughs> you know, him. You know. But we say stuff like this, no way I'm apologizing. Do you realize at the very core of that statement is this, because I'm better than you. I'm not about to admit that I'm bad to someone who's lesser than me. No way. Or how about this one? It's not my problem, it's theirs. That's why this is a mess. That's why we can't get our marriage together. That's why we can't move this company forward. It's because of my boss. It's because of my son. It's because of my mom. It's because of my coach. It's because of my ex. My life's miserable because of them. They're the ones that ought to be on trial, not me, because I'm better than them. And we don't say that, but that's what we think. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, that's called logitis. You remember that, don't you, when he tells that story about the bizarre, again, we're, we're breathing thin air here, the bizarre guy who, who's got this log in his eye and he's going to try to get the speck out of that other guy's eye. The little bitty thing that has to take a microscope to be able to see, but he can't, he can't get there because the log's in his eye. Logitis. Because we can see 20-20 when we're looking at everybody else's faults, but we've got this blindness in our eye, this log in our eye when it comes to our own. I do when I drive. Can I just confess that to you? I have logitis when I'm behind the wheel. And I talk to people who are not in the cab with me, all right? My kids have talked. Dad, they're not listening. I know that, but they still need to be talked to. And I'm glad they can't hear, all right, because I'm not exactly blessing them. I'm not being confessional here, admitting my faults are as bad as the other guy, or as is most of the case, the other gal. I'm just joking, all right? But statistically speaking, however, logitis. Here's another one. It's not fair. you thought about that one being filled with the, the root of pride in your heart? That's not fair. I'm not talking about an injustice done to someone else. I'm talking about the one that you believe is being done to you. That's not fair. Because I'm more deserving. I'm more worthy. And I really hesitated to to put this one in my message, but I think I need to. Especially considering the context. God nailed me with this. The first year that I was preaching with you guys. It was November and I had drawn a tag to go hunt in Iowa. With my... Long time hunting buddy, Jamie We had an absolute We always have had a good time But this year I didn't have a good time And here's why Because Jamie killed that <laughs> And I didn't want him to kill that I didn't We'd been on two previous trips And he'd killed some nice bucks But wow Wow that one was on the game cam in the area that I was hunting. <laughs> Not his. And I didn't I was just blindsided by it. I, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, the other two animals that he killed, I mean I was I really was thrilled that he had gotten them, but three? <laughs> Jamie three, Jimmy. I was so ashamed. I tried to be congratulative. Man, great buck. But I, I have to believe that my attitude l- just reeked through, all right? leaked through. And I, so much so that I apologize later both to the host that had us there, who, by the way, has not invited me back. <laughs> and Jamie. Pride blinds you to your own weaknesses, doesn't it? And i got to tell you, folks, I don't struggle with envy a great deal. But when I do, I know why now. It's because I think I'm better than the person who just received something I'm envious of. I deserve that. Because I'm me. (laughs) What are they doing getting that? Especially a buck like that. It's funny. But I have to laugh or I'd cry. God opposes the proud. Two days later, a buck is at 30 yards And I missed him. That was better than Jamie's. God opposes the proud. I'm still learning from that lesson. Here's another one I don't need your help. Now, that's subtle, isn't it? It's full of pride. I don't need your help. Anybody know how that one feels? It would be Peter. You're not washing my feet. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Lord, it's, pretty make, it's making me uncomfortable you're washing anybody's feet. I mean, that, that's, that's a little bit low, isn't it? Yes, it is. And if you'll be quiet for me, I'm going to take Peter, this is a lesson I'm trying to teach all of you because as I've washed your feet I'm hoping as I've gotten low I'm hoping you'll do the same pride will destroy us Jesus said Peter if you won't if you won't get low with me here if you won't allow me to get low uh, you have no part in me because lowness is a part of this kingdom because in order to be raised to the height of God and his dream and his, his hope for your life You're going to have to get low Part of the problem is eh, Probably most of the problem is this Is that we view most of our life From the exterior Don't we And so therefore Our, our evaluation of people And ourselves is exterior oriented And that's why I don't like social media that much I got a Facebook account, I'm not against Facebook, I'm not against Snapchat or Twitter, but I'll tell you what, it's just one more tool that elevates how we measure each other by exteriors. Isn't that the truth? Because what you put on all that social media is the best version of you. I mean, you go to Taos, spring break... And you take the picture by the lift and everybody's smiling in their little cute suits and they got their skis and, and, and you put that on Facebook and, and people just go, oh, love that. What a family. And they didn't know that 15 minutes earlier you were in the parking lot almost being arrested for domestic violence. Have somebody take a selfie of that one. Sportsman's dysfunctional family about to kill one another. Over what we're having for lunch. I mean, you got to choose yesterday. and You you know that stuff doesn't get posted on Facebook. Because we're measuring each other and we're presenting ourselves with exteriors. Take a picture of you and your wife and it's candlelights and it's dinner and it's tablecloths. And you snap that little baby and put it on the web. And everybody, oh man, we love that. You put the caption underneath it, oh, only the best for my, my girl. Married up out of my league. That's Saturday night. Nobody takes a selfie of the Monday morning when you're not speaking to each other at breakfast because on Sunday she found some texts in your phone to an old girlfriend you didn't tell her about. Yep, this is me on the couch. Haven't slept in two days. I'm a jerk. And there's only one like, it's from your wife, like that. (laughs) Because that's the only way she's speaking to you. We don't post that stuff because we want to present the best version of ourselves. But thank heavens we don't do that at church. Thank heavens we don't control our appearances at church. Thank heavens we don't only present what we want people to be admiring of at church. It's almost always about outside performance here until we, we make an effort to make it inside. This made up story of Jesus' takes place at church. Did you notice that? It's at the temple. And the Pharisees making sure that he's in a place where everybody can see and 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 hear about his um, fasting twice a week. The law in Leviticus sixteen only required once a year. He's fasting twice a week. Uh, so that the church can hear that he's not just giving a tenth of his income, he's also tithing birthday money and scratcher money and tomatoes that his secretary brings to the office. This guy's awesome! And he wants everybody to see that he's awesome. He's in the ivory top 20%, top 2%, isn't he? None of that's a bad thing. What makes it bad is that he wants credit for it. He wants credit for it. He's not giving God thanksgiving and, and, and just as amazed at his graciousness in his life he, he wants people to notice that this is about him not about God I almost forgot that there's another character verse 15 this is not a guy that's in the ivory tower this is a guy that's in the low place the place I don't belong the distant place the text is going to say right up front But the tax collector stood at a distance He wouldn't even look up to heaven But he beat his breast and he said God just have mercy on me please Because I'm a loser I'm a sinner Interesting The tax collector isn't here to win anybody's approval at church But God's He doesn't care who sees him But God. He's interested in an audience of one, only God's. And that's why he can't even look him in the eye. It's not because it's ritual here at church. It's not because it's tradition here at church. It's just contrition of a heart that's broken. And it's having one of those reality checks underneath the avalanche of life going, which way is up? The way up is down. Yes. Then I want to go down. I want to get low. You've heard prayers prayed from this pulpit seeking recognition, haven't you? I know you've heard sermons preached from this pulpit seeking recognition. I've preached them. But I also hope that you've heard sermons and you've heard prayers from this pulpit that have been praying for and preaching redemption. Prayed and preached by people who know that they are nothing without God. Looking at that fellow, beating his breast, head down, Jesus says, "I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." You want to know the way up? Jesus says, "It's to get low. It's to get down." Rick Wilinda the famous high wire walker who walked a wire across Niagara Falls, who walked a wire across the Grand Canyon, is a Jesus follower. And he has breathed some pretty thin air. Not of arrogance as much. He could, but he knows that he's very capable of doing that. He understands that Pride comes before a fall, and if there's anybody who doesn't want to fall, he doesn't want to fall. And so, you know what he does after every event in which he demonstrates his gifts and his abilities that God has given him? You know what he does after every event? He gets low. He picks up trash, not for one, but two hours, minimally. Because Mr. Walinda will tell you, if I don't purposely get low in this life, if I don't purposely humble myself, I've heard the Scripture. God says, I will bring you down, and I don't want to fall from where I walk. Friend, I don't know where you're walking, but you don't want to fall from where you walk either. Because when you get brought down by God, it, it's painful. And some of you are going through some stuff right now. And I don't know how to figure this out Don't even begin to pretend to tell you this But some of you are going through some stuff right now This is convicting your heart right now Because you know what you're experiencing Is because of your own arrogance And as faithful as he is to say this If you will get low, I will lift you up He is faithful to say this If you try to make yourself more than you are I will take you down I'll knock you off that high horse personally I admire Rick's courage, and I admire Rick's transparency. If I don't get low, God will make sure I do. I don't have time to go into all these because we're out of time. But here's a couple that I came up this week that, that I think are behind the scenes, that are, that are some of the low places, some of the low things. They're some of the things that I'm trying to do in my life. Spend some time at a nursing home. Pretty low place in our community, isn't it? Voluntarily confess sin. Not because you got caught, but because you know if you don't fess up to this, God's going to expose it on His time, and that's never pretty. Give sacrificially and anonymously. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Treat others better than I do myself, but do that quietly. Not to where you happen to mention and someone overhears. And then the last one. This one's tough for all of us. Be willing to ask for help. This has been a tough season of my life. I can't remember when one's been more intense and filled with some, some challenges that, that deal with um, my mind and deal with my emotions and my family more. And I've had to ask for help. And I've got to be honest, more so than I want to. So I'm trying to learn in this school of, that God has me in for the moment. Of trial and difficulty. And I'm asking the questions, God, is it because of, of my ability to, to get up on my high horse? Is it because of my pride that any of this, if it is, God, <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> go get low. And teach me what I need to know in that, in that low place. Help me find some new friends in those low places. And he's been faithful to do that. And he'll be faithful to do the same thing for you, friend. You got to lose big before you win big. Those are his words, not mine. I'm here just as a messenger, not as a creator. And so I want to invite you this morning. If I want to throw a little curve here, Patrick. Instead of that next song that we were going to sing, could we go back and sing the song we sang before the lesson? I just thought, wow, as we were singing that, that would be a, a tremendous invitation for us to do. Would you pour out your soul this morning? I know that you came here and you're, you're wanting us to all see the, the best presentation of yourself. But some of you, not all of you, I know that this isn't the best place to do some of this. That's why we encourage you, get in community groups. Get into some smaller group somewhere. Because this... Transparency has to take place somewhere Or you will keep up this image that is false And one day God's going to reveal that And you're going to be so embarrassed And so ashamed if it's on judgment day When what's really been in the darkness Comes out in the light Yeah, you don't want that to happen Bring it out now And if we can help you do that We're going to have shepherds at the back And we're going to have some shepherds up at the front And we're here today to help you get low and, and, and these are our leaders who are trying to lead in their own transparency. We've got lots of room to grow here. And, and where we've been weak and God's made us strong and we're growing in that. But, but we want to come alongside you today and help you get low, okay? Because as I said at the very beginning of this lesson, if you take anything home, you want the maker of sunrises to be lifting you up. You want the manufacturer of the DNA molecule and thermodynamics to put you on his shoulders, You want the creator of the galaxies to raise you up, friend. You want that. And he's made you a promise. You get low and I will raise you up. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not making you promises about a mate or money or health or wealth. I'm just saying, you don't want to miss out on that lifting. (laughs) Whatever it is. And it may not even be in this lifetime. It may not be. But Paul says this, I promise you this. No eye is seen. No ear is heard, no no mind is conceived what that lift is going to feel like when he finally comes to take us home. Father in heaven, we love you. And as we sing this song, may we truly pour out our soul and would you please pour into us everything you've promised, forgiveness and grace and mercy and a spirit that will enable us to be the best of losers. We realize we're in the best company when we're getting low right there with your son, with a towel around his waist, getting in the dirt and trying to help someone else be better. Father, help us to have that same heart as we leave this place today. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's stand. Let's praise him, church.